millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host for today, Rich Hudson, joined today by Ewan Patterson. Hello, not going to salute not that I did that before and completely knocked over the microphone. It was nicely terrible. done. Mm. Look at Twitter and Josh Brown. Hello, Rich. Hello, Ewan. It has been a while since we were last here talking about Call of Duty, but we're back. Things have kicked off. Things have indeed kicked off. It's been a very weird, like I don't know, few months yep. for Activision and Call of Duty and Treyarch and not some and Infinity Ward and everyone. Basically. Everyone. Is. Every everything has gone gone to poop to put it bluntly uh, we did a podcast a while ago which we will reference a couple of times throughout the course of this video where we talked about a bid a big black ops 4 leak that happened just after the game released and a lot of that is referenced here because we're going to kick things off with the Modern Warfare reboot, which is re- which is launching this October, October 25th, it is releasing. So quickly, your thoughts on this reboot, very, very quickly. Well, to be honest, the original trailer made me realise how much uh, I love the original Modern Warfare yeah. games. Because obviously I loved them when I was younger, but I didn't know if that um, same sort of reverence for the series would have um, followed me into my adult years. I watched that trailer and I thought, oh yes, it has. But in the months, in the weeks since, I have I've become a bit more lukewarm on it as a whole because of the stuff we're going to get to with the fact mm-hmm. that Infinity Ward keep pushing this controversial angle which has never really fit right with me for COD in the past they've tried it a couple of times especially in Modern Warfare I'm, I'm going to wait and see how they do it because there is scope there to tell a really compelling story I just don't know if they are going to be able to but then you know what I really loved Advanced uh, Inf- Infinite Warfare they told yeah. a really great nuanced story in there for a Call of Duty campaign I just don't know whether I trust them with this material. Mm, Ewan. Yeah, it's interesting because I recently played Modern Warfare Remaster when it came out with the free game for PlayStation. And I think that game's aged really well. I mean, I there are certain parts of it which really kind of remind me of old school Clancy military fiction, like, you know, all the tropes of like ultra nationalists in Russia. They've got the hand on the nukes and you, the, mm-hmm. the, the NATO people have to go in and like stop it. And then there was some of the parts of the campaign that was like, hmm, this is, hmm, without a context, this is a bit, bit dodgy. And I'm totally with you on this as well. It's like Modern Warfare and Call of Duty to me should be big, stupid Michael Bay action. It shouldn't be anything else. I mean, we can, oh, we can, there are certain, you know, I can overlook its jingo ten- tendencies to a degree, but when it starts deviling into, it's getting its hands in the big old pile of goo that mm. is, you know, contemporary warfare and, you know, showing that conflict from different aspects, which I think is very valuable, is Call of Duty necessarily the right vehicle to do that? And given what I've seen from them in the past with Modern Warfare 2's No Russian, and we've seen, you know, other kind of controversial things before, 
I'm going to go with no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a weird position to be in if you are Infinity Ward. In case you guys don't know, if you're listening or watching, uh, Modern Warfare series in the past have been games that have always tried to play up on a very controversial moment. I don't know whether they had it in Modern Warfare 1. Uh, I suppose that was the kind of... Uh, the execution or the nuke, yes, I would say. the execution of the nuke. Those but um, back in 2009, when Modern Warfare 2 released, there was obviously a big controversy about no Russian, as you as already said, where basically you, you are undercover with Makarov Makarov? Mm-hmm. It is Makarov. Makarov yeah. uh, and you go into an airport and you gun people down. You don't have to, but you can. Uh, and that was obviously a big controversy back then. This was 2009. Games were seen very differently to how they're seen now. In Modern Warfare 3, they tried to recapture that no Russian stuff by having... It's like a, a mother and daughter being yeah. blown up by a, an, a, an American a family bomb. as well in London. Just to, just to have a home. You couldn't have just British America. people being blown up. Yeah, it yeah. had to be an American they, family. They tried to recapture that again with Modern Warfare 3, and it seems to be that they're trying to push... Like, this whole game is going to be gritty and realistic in the biggest inverted commas I can possibly muster because they want to try and recapture that that noise they made back in 2009 with this Modern Warfare reboot and that's got a lot of people concerned including the two former heads slash founders CEOs of Sledgehammer Games which we will get to in a bit about their position in Call of Duty at least from from only a few weeks ago uh, they've both piped up and said we're not sure about how Activision and Infinity Ward are going about Modern Warfare because it's getting a bit too controversial for their own good. Yeah, I mean, for me, you could see that even from the jump from Modern Warfare 2 to 3. I think for as much of a hoorah was made about the no-Russian um, level, I think for me that at least served the purpose of the narrative. You could the contextualized, you might you might disagree with how it was like represented and how it was depicted, but in the context of that story, you sort of needed that because that kicked off like the entire thing. And, like it, it it certainly jarred with you know the idea that then you had this mad red dawn inspired invasion come afterwards, mm-hmm. but the idea of you being in that moment and then being betrayed and then set up to just kick off this glo- global co- global clo- conflict. My God, my <laughs> words were just mangled. You bought it, whereas in Modern Warfare 3, it was very exploitative and just like, oh, yeah. we've got something controversial that doesn't really tie into the story. You don't need that moment in Modern Warfare 3 to make sense of everything else. It is just purely there for Activision to make a big hoorah about it and yeah. cause some controversy so, so people are talking about the game. I mean, you're bang on about the idea that it, within context, it was, it was, it's incredible. It's probably one of the most iconic missions in gaming, as, as horrific as it is, especially in today's day and age with, with gun laws and, and shootings and things, especially in the States. Obviously, this took place in an American airport in, in the game. Within context, it was fine, and they're just going overboard with it. Um, some people have had some behind-closed-doors stuff. Well, I say behind-closed-doors. They had some events in L.A. where they were showing a part of the... Uh, of the uh, the mission, one of the missions from the campaign, because uh, there were two sides to the the Modern Warfare reboot mi- reboot campaign, which is you're playing with uh, with Price a new Price, same new different kind slightly like, yeah. parallel Price. Look like, at the mustache scene. Yeah. Par- par- parallel parallel world. Same price. people just rebooting it, but bringing yeah. it. So it's like it's almost like it's the first Modern Warfare, but yeah. ten years on from. I mean, yeah. yeah, Price was in World War Two as well. He yeah, can beat wherever he wants. Yeah, <laughs> um, and you are there's a, there's been a, a terrorist attack, a terrorist bombing in Piccadilly Circus in London, which is very close to home for us uh and obviously you know they're they're really riffing off current events and that's the kind of thing people are very very concerned about because you know they're saying one of the things they've said was they're trying to make the most realistic authentic and realistic game we've ever made which was said by jacob minkoff the design director and like i said when you look at current climate in terms of war in terms of uh uh terrorism on uh, our soil on american soil that's not the kind of stuff you want to riff off for a game. It just makes me think of Six Days in Fallujah. Well, the thing the thing is, I think games 
I think it's a good thing games can tackle these sorts of things, but when your entire game is literally just a military first-person shooter, I don't really see scope for much nuance here. You know, at the end of the day, people play first-person shooters to pick up a gun and shoot things. It's not necessarily a game where you're expected to uh, discuss the geopolitics of the situation in Syria or, you know, domestic terrorism. And I think the thing that really stuck out to me when I, when I saw that first trailer is that image of, uh, I think it's, it's it's not Syria, it's another analog called... It's, a, it's, it's, a, middle, I think yes. it's a Middle Eastern country, yes. that just said. But yeah. there's like a bombing and you see the white helmets getting people out of rubble. And if you've been keeping up with the conflict in Syria, you'll know that the white helmets are a key charity organization that go into these cities and help pull people out. And there was a really awkward moment, I can't remember the exact details, but there was someone who can, on stage when it was announced, comparing it to a live leak stream, which is mm. an absolutely horrendous thing to say. And it's one of those things where it's like, I, I think... Games should dare to be political and explore these, uh, these these things, but Call of Duty is in way over its head if it thinks it is the series to do this because it is no way realistic whatsoever. No. Yeah, so, it's a series people yeah. haven't taken seriously for years. I mean, mm. back in in the golden era between 2007, 2011, 12, that was when people took the games. Yes, they were big and silly, but people took the stories very seriously. This is them trying to recapture that. And they're, they're going in far too hard. For, for me, I'm, I'm conflicted on it because I fully agree with what you're saying there, you. And I think the Infinity Ward of the older games has obviously been replaced by new team members. We've yep. got a whole new set of writers on. We've got a whole new set of designers. There are some people, obviously, who were still there from back in the days, but it's kind of like a new team. So there is potentially, you know, they want to do something different, but at the same time, within the confines of this franchise, I think within the confines of, say, just a solo campaign, if this was just Call of Duty campaign only, and they were trying to tackle these uh, difficult subjects, and they were going all in and trying to be realistic, however, however enjoyable that might be, I think when you've got all the extra COD stuff, when you've got uh, co-op mode that's supposed to be really fun when you've got a multiplayer um, element that's just like highlights how great it is to shoot the guys in the face yeah. it's it's very jarring and it creates a juxtaposition that doesn't sit right it's that like cognitive dissonance that everyone gets playing video games about sort of like the horrors of war while secretly enjoying yeah. all the horror you're actually inflicting there, there was a really is, funny tweet the other day where someone was like they're expected to do this when you get guitar riffs whenever you level up in multiplayer exactly like, it, exactly yeah, it that kind of stuff it yeah. doesn't gel together and I think the series would be better off sticking towards you know the, it, it pays homage to cinema all the time you look at modern warfare uh, 2 the, the raid the, the raid on yeah. the prison that is literally just the rock in fact the main storyline of the guy you know shepherd going off the rails is almost a bit like the rock as mm -hmm. well so it should just yeah i think uh, it's, it's frustrating because I want at the same time I want games to, to tackle these subject matters I get really really frustrated when Ubisoft set their game in the most controversial you know environment they possibly can and then PR is just like nah it's not political what are you on about it's not yeah. political what and, it, and I'm, that must be so frustrating to the narrative designers, designers as well who have clearly you know there is an intention with these stories I just it, oh, it's it's frustrating to me the, at the end of the day the franchise is called Call of Duty and that in itself has loads of connotations and you know, I think we all benefit from seeing different perspectives of war, but there is a way to go about it that doesn't feel gimmicky. That's it. And and designed yeah. to bait controversy. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of I'm I'm on the fence at the moment. I'm going to wait to see how it turns out. But given Activision's history and sort of you know making things like this gimmicky for the sake of sales and for the sake of exposure and stuff, I, the trust isn't quite there mm. yet. But I, I I really want to be sort of surprised by it. I mean, we've had one trailer so far. We've got more to come. We still need to know about multiplayer. Need to know about spec ops. I want to know whether we're getting the remasters of Modern Warfare Two and Three. That would be that would be nice. Um, but yeah, as you said, the, the term Call of Duty. Will you answer the Call of Duty if you were a six or seven year old girl pulled out of the rubble 
of a bombing in this fictional, supposedly fictional Middle Eastern country, would you answer the call of duty or would you be thrust into a stealth mission with you and your younger brother trying to hide from a big brute like Russian soldier and then get a screwdriver, stab him to death, find a gun, kill more people as a seven-year-old girl and go from there because that is the other half of the Modern Warfare campaign. And this is the other thing as well that is ridiculous to me, the fact that they've, they've, they've made it a fictional country because the fact that it's Russian soldiers, I'm presuming this is a flash, flashback mission to maybe the Yes, I think it's, it says it's, uh, the, the preview was saying it's, it's set... 20 years yeah, or so, so that's Afghanistan the Piccadilly Circus bombing that, that's, that's Afghanistan you know Russia invaded the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan in the 80s um, so why don't you just call it that you're clearly leaning so much in on this if you want to be taken seriously and you want to stick your hands in the mud just do it I mean for Christ's sakes Ghost Recon Wildlands is not a very intelligent uh, story whatsoever that went as far as to go into Bolivia. I know that got controversy as well because the game has so many issues in terms of its attitude to the war on drugs and stuff, but it actually did it. This whole mm-hmm. kind of, oh yeah, gritty, realistic Call of Duty in fictional um, and out, you know, uh, Middle Eastern country. It's like, well, yes. I mean, you know, I was going to bring up this war of mine yeah. and talk about, you know, because that, that game is, you know, that's all about people. That's, that's, I think that's about based on the Bosnia kind of Herzegovina wars in the 90s and you play as refugees going through that. That is an amazing way of looking at the human consequences of war and how people who aren't necessarily in militaries get drawn into those conflicts. Narratively, if the game can justify all this, that I'll, I'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. But as you say, if it's literally just a case of like you're playing as a child going around murdering people just for like almost like in a kick assian sense where you've got hit girl kind of like, you know, yeah. drop it out. Like, I, I don't know. It's it's. It's one of those things where I think it's right to be patient and wait. Yeah. But as you say, you know, the wealth of evidence like, kind of goes against it. It's like when you hear sort of like the setup like that, and it's almost kind of like fetishizing like mm-hmm. the violence of it, or yeah. like the sort of, I don't know, like the. It's almost like a coming of age story told through like war, which I'm sure, you know, a lot of people like ha- is referenced into like real life conflicts. But yep. when it's put in a video game like this for like mass sort of like consumption, uh, it's difficult, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this character supposedly grows up to become a, a freedom fighter. This is the character's origin story. Mm-hmm. And then she becomes a big freedom fighter over in this Middle Eastern country, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's a it's a weird approach, I think, to Call of Duty because then following it up with this is the most realistic and gritty game we've ever made, and yeah, sitting outside the bubble of you know this is this is all this is all this is the real world on your screen right now, but we're gonna just cover our butts enough so that if you go oh it's like this, but you go yeah, but it's not like this because technically this place is called this, yeah. not <laughs> Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds like them covering their asses to make sure that the controversy isn't too great because I mean, when was the last time really we had a, a game end end up in the mainstream news for like severe controversy um, it's probably been a good while like Mortal Kombat just, no one cares about the Medal of Honor as well because mm-hmm. the Medal of Honor reboot that was explicitly set during the war on terror you, mm-hmm. they, they, you know people I think members of the American military actually got in trouble yeah, insulting did. on the game um, that was that drew con- controversy because it explicitly referenced organizations like Al Qaeda and the Taliban and it, it, again it's, it's an interesting thing here because Call of Duty the people who work on Call of Duty must surely be aware of the connotations of their series yeah it does feel kind of again it's almost like that Ubisoft syndrome where it's like we we want to set our gate we want to have our cake and eat it we want the yeah. politics but we're going to completely disavow any kind of you know we'll, we'll leave it open to interpretation or whatever it's kind of like a, like like 
the extreme of this, like that, that kind of like those political messages or those artistic sort of, you know, visions being compromised, like the business realities of like marketing and stuff is like when Homefront came out and that the, mm-hmm. the original kind of like baddies in there, like the, the government like invading forces was originally like China. Mm-hmm. And then because they didn't want to sort of like annoy anyone, they changed that to North Korea who were a far easier, you know, a far easier punching bag and mm-hmm. you don't need to bring like the sort of same level of uh, cultural connotations to that because they're already established in Western culture anyway as this sort of like cartoony villain and it's easy to like we, we have no relationship with them you know like politically or socially so that was easier because you know it was safer and then you could like you said you would try to have your cake and eat it too but then the message gets muddled and it, you're like what is this really about like what are we actually getting from this entire thing yeah one of the things that was brought up uh, just to sort of wrap up this first half of the podcast about Modern Warfare reboots um, was the idea that you know this is a very muddy area of war in, in the present day whereas you go back to World War 2 you look at it as like goodies and baddies and that was why these older games why Call of Duty World War 2 two years ago and why the original Call of Duty games didn't get as much controversy because it was it was kind of it was a given it was good versus evil you know which side is evil and that's still prominent you look at something like Wolfenstein that plays upon the whole you can kill Nazis mm-hmm. and that's that's a good thing mm-hmm. politically yeah when do you think how far in the future do you think it would be that games look back at times like this and they go, here we go, here's the definitive good and bad and no one cares anymore. Never. Never? Never. I think World War II is a complete... It's a, the, the battle lines were clearly delineated and, you know, you do look back on that and there, there are certain things where you could probably extrapolate, you know, some of the things that the Allies did. You know, they bombed Dresden, they bombed civilian populations. There were... It, it, it was clearly, you know, the right side, but there yeah. are certain things that happened there. Mm-hmm. Ever since the Cold War, ever since, you know, conflict itself is a... It, it, the battle lines are never well delineated. There are always civilian casualties. There are always different narratives at play. World War Two is a unique event. You know, Call of Duty that speaks to so many connotations because people were drafted into the military. It was literally a fight for survival. You know, yeah. if if Germany and Japan had won that war, you know, the world would have changed as we know it. Yeah. Whereas right now we're, we're living in a completely different time frame. You know, America is a global superpower. Russia is a global superpower. There are different military organizations and and um, like uh, treaties and alliances that are constantly intermingled, and the slight kind of mistake could lead to the worst thing possible. So if you commit to one narrative, you end up basically erasing someone else's perspective. So to that end, you know maybe there is a certain degree of optimism we could potentially get from a Call of Duty set in the modern day that actually aims to tell the different human costs yeah. of war. Mm-hmm. I, I agree that, again, I think it'll be a, a long time because of ex- everything you just said there, you and to be honest, I wish I could just repeat them. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think even when you look at um, like video game depictions of World War One, mm-hmm. like that was a long, long time ago, and yet when Battlefield Battlefield 1 came out uh, people were still asking those same questions well this is a war where the uh, delineation between good and evil weren't as well defined that was again a messy sort of like war where it was just like people very unlucky on like all sides and there was a desire to sort of view different perspectives and view that war in a way that was far more nuanced like so if if we're still doing that for a war like that I think it's 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 going to have to become sort of like the standard across the board. Like it's going to take either a really nuanced view of it to depict these current conflicts properly, mm-hmm. or we're going to have to wait for like 
150 years. I'm going to say Call of Duty Afghanistan releasing 2,119. Yeah. Call of Duty be... will still be around by then as well. Oh, it definitely will. We're, we're literally on COD number like 206 like, by then. I was going to mention Black Ops. You know, that's about the Cold War. It wasn't exactly a nuanced depiction of the conflict. You know, it was very yeah. much a case of communism bad, America good. And like, you know, that's the thing. It's like, you can deal, you can have... Everyone loves a bit of corny military fiction. For me, it's kind of my guilty pleasure. Yeah. But like, you know, there is a certain... Black Ops, in a way, kind of sold itself on it being like, ooh, the, the CIA stories you never knew. And then, like, well, that's the yeah. difference, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like Black Ops sort of takes that like narrative and like blows it up to ridiculous proportions. But when you get something like the latest mm-hmm. Modern Warfare, it's trying to be a, a commentary, trying to be gritty and realistic. It's like almost like the, the, the distinction between Rambo 1 and Rambo 2 and 3. Yes. Like Rambo 1 is a very kind of amazing analysis of kind of um, America after Vietnam. And then Rambo 2 and 3 is literally just Sylvester Stallone cutting people's heads off and blowing them up. <laughs> With explosive arrows, mm-hmm. you know, and I think Call of Duty, you know, works better when it is the latter, even if that ultimately leaves, you know, a less kind of, I don't know, I, it's one of those things. I think there is room for both things, but not in the way that they're probably going to do it here. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you and summed up very well is like the idea. This is not the right platform to do it because you think two years ago you would win a match and your character would start flossing. Yeah, <laughs> and now and now we're going to try and tell a, a very gritty depiction of war. But that was the Modern Warfare reboot. It's definitely a weird one. So you have to let us know what you thought on that <laughs> side of things. But um, as I mentioned, um, Sledgehammer Games has been relegated to the support studio. So obviously Activision have got their big old monopoly of uh, studios. I think you two did a, a very good list on the studios that were closed down. <laughs> we, we, we did. Uh, thanks to the studios that were absorbed into the Call of Duty-verse mm-hmm. by Activision. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. 
But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director, Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. And, and uh, obviously, you will know that uh, Infinity Ward kicked off the series back in 2003? Oh, yes. yes. It was very, very early noughties. Triarch were brought in to do Call of Duty 3, and then from 4 onwards, it would alternate between the two. Advanced Warfare came along, and uh, Sledgehammer took the reins, and they'd been working with Infinity Ward and Raven on Modern Warfare 3. Uh, Raven have stayed a support studio, as have Beanox for Call of Duty. Sledgehammer got their own, uh, got their own way. They did... Advanced Warfare, they did World War II, which is probably one of the best of the new breed of Call of Duties, in yeah. my opinion. Uh, and they got relegated back to being a support studio again because the two founders, uh, Michael Condry and... Uh, where's his name? I've written it down. Glenn Schofield. Uh, they founded... They were both ex-Visceral Games. And they founded Sledgehammer, worked with that division, and then they both left. Uh, Glenn Schofield is now working for a new studio called Striking Distance under the PUBG Corporation. Interesting. And uh, Michael Condry has gone to work with 2K. Interesting. Uh, so they've left, and obviously I think that all of Sledgehammer just fell apart, so now they're, they're working in the background. Uh, but this part of the podcast, we're talking about Treyarch specifically. So their current Call of Duty Black Ops 4 is the Call of Duty right now. And we weren't expecting their next game, probably Black Ops 5, with mm -hmm. five vertical lines instead of a slash through the middle. Uh, we were expecting that in 2021. But with Sledgehammer out of the picture, and so that supposedly they'd be doing next year's card, Treyarch have now taken on Call of Duty 2020. Yes. So they have had, they've got a crunch on their hands. But this isn't the first time, because Jason Schreier at Kotaku has done this fantastic, fantastic article called uh, The Human, Human Cost Human of Black Ops 4, I think. Black Ops 4. Uh, and it's basically just discussing how things worked at Treyarch HQ. We did a podcast, uh, myself, Josh, and Jules, back uh, earlier this year or last year about uh, a QA tester at Treyarch who left and leaked a whole bunch of stuff about how the campaign was killed off, how uh, Blackout came about, how multiplayer changed, and a lot of stuff about zombies, a lot of Easter eggs to prove his uh, credentials, like, hey, go and do this random thing, and this will happen. It was true kind of makes it so everything else he said was true. And this big old deep dive that, that uh, Jason Schreier did with Kotaku goes to show the treatment of the staff at Treyarch. Now, I personally have got a lot of love for Treyarch because, I mean, they made Spider-Man 2. They certainly and then they did. Made some of the best and Ultimate Spider-Man. Yep, and then they made some of the best uh, Call of Duty games. My favourite Call of Duty games have been all the Treyarch ones. But their approach to QA, the uh, quality assurance, the testers people get hired in, you know, the people who, who get paid to play video games, what an amazing job that might be. Not if you're working for Treyarch, because this deep dive showed that, P that the QA testers at Treyarch are not working for Treyarch or Activision. They're a third-party 
company that sort of contracts them in and they are treated basically long story short like dirt yeah like sort of second class citizens in their own company I mean yeah. uh, to compliment this George Weedman over at Super Bunny Hop did uh, another great deep dive into like the lives of QA testers who mm-hmm. they all essentially reiterated them that these sort of behaviors and these patterns of these working conditions occur across pretty much every big publisher in in the games industry because the uh, the QA testers aren't necessarily Treyarch employees they're not mm. necessarily Activision employees they're like uh, essentially part of a third party company who uh, they don't have to pay them bonuses they don't have to give them like the same sort of benefits that the actual core development staff get but that's bad as well but then by the sounds of it Activision and Treyarch don't do anything to sort of break those barriers down or disencourage it like there's a great horrible moment in there where they're talking about how the developers get a sort of catered uh, food brought to them and the QA testers are technically allowed to also eat that food but they have to wait an hour after it's been served out to the main guys before they even get a chance to sort of pick up the scraps and it's just the view that QA testers are sort of expendable or sort of like you know like low trained low intelligence like workers who can just be replaced is properly properly disgusting it's just demoralizing it's it's horrible it's it's been like there's a lot of uh, examples as you said there's the there's the food thing where they're not necessarily being catered for properly at Treyarch's offices uh the uh the dev team people on the dev team who work for Treyarch outright they've been told not to talk to the QA drones almost and only speak to the QA leads uh there were parties and they're like yeah you can go there for 20 minutes and then back to work because you're still working these guys can have a nice piss up because Black Ops has done really well. Uh, the the bonuses, bonuses coming in, yeah. yeah, bonuses coming in for the big high up staff. I mean, you know, if you're the directors, you're, you're David Vonderhaar, you're um, who's uh, Daddy Blundell from uh, the Zombies team. They're turning up in their Teslas and their Jaguars, and you look out in the car park. Actually, the car park that's ten minutes away yeah. from the office. They're yeah. not parking, <laughs> yeah. uh, and they're brought in. They're treated like dirt. Twenty four hour, twenty four seven QA testing. So twelve hour shifts of two teams of people. If you have got the night shift, they turn the turn the AC off. Say it's broken, then you're there sweating through your balls. Being crammed into pens that accommodate seven people, but you've got an extra four people on mm-hmm. there. Basically, it's QA ridiculous. testers at Treyarch are battery heads. And then yeah. guess what happens when you finally ship the game, guys? Ah, oh, you get sucked. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you've got no you job. You get kicked out the door. Yeah. Nothing yeah. happened. It's, it is disgusting to think that that's happening to mm-hmm. people, especially at a studio as well-loved as well resourced. That's yeah. it. The well-resourced. Yeah. There, was no, there was a point in that re- report where they mentioned that, you know, the development team are themselves quite... Uh, you know, frustrated by the fact that microtransactions, like Activision, are monetizing their games so much, and they ask, "Where is the money going to?" Because it's not going to the guys that are coming in as contractors, and it, it's just appalling. And it, it, it's it's one of those things where I'm I'm so grateful that we're hearing these stories now because it, there's no way that it should be this 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 practice should be normalized if you can't operate a company this way yeah shouldn't be operating in the first place well, and it's yeah. ridiculous every sort of element of track from the QA testers obviously who are trapped by far the worst to like even the structure of making these Call of Duty games like they're going to have to crunch to make another Black Ops game for next year but they've already crunched in the past two Black Ops games it's, just yeah. to get them out the door like and they are huge successes but that doesn't seem to be trickling down it just seems to be lining the pockets of Bobby Kotick who gets a 15 million dollar bonus at the end of the year the email afterwards as well the, the article was updated with an email that uh, Treyarch's had sent around to their staff and it was completely dis it was almost like they were kind of washing their hands of any sort of responsibility just kind of being like oh you know video game development is a long and complex process and there are all these different things at play it's like well 
maybe you should be looking at restructuring that process. And also, yeah. some of the issues that are raised in the report are very simple, like paying people, you know, what yeah. what they like, just like you know, actually giving them holidays and giving them a, a good time frame of when they should be actually, doing the it. holiday one. Yeah. The holiday one made me absolutely rage. It was yeah. the fact that they had to play, they had to do, uh, was it? Oh, the consecutive hours. Yeah, it was like yeah. the, some ridiculous. It was, it was in the hundreds of consecutive yeah. hours, and you had to, if you put a holiday, and you had to work thirteen consecutive weeks before you got the holiday, mm-hmm. and then at the end of the day, you got about six holidays, including some of the bank holidays, like Christmas or New Year. Actually, no, it wasn't yeah, you, even that. You, you couldn't choose. It was one choose, or the yeah. other. It was Christmas or New Year, which is... It's, it's honestly disgraceful. But yeah, as you said, crunch is obviously a huge talking point in the industry right now. And I think that's why uh, a lot of people have come forward and said, okay, we're getting crunched like hell. Uh, Black Ops 3 was the first big crunch that Treyarch had because obviously a two, near now three-year development cycle for a game is pretty good going. But with, the, with how fickle Activision have been with changing this, that, and the other, um, the original Black Ops 3 campaign has bad as it is uh, was going to be an open world style thing maybe like a like a Ghost Recon mm-hmm. Wildlands kind of thing which I mean that's pretty damn pretty damn cool yeah that got cut had to change that crunch get the campaign out campaign was gut was ass so it's the fact that they've there. been allowed to start on things and then like so you, it's like stop start development it's mm-hmm. like okay we're going to commit to these massive grand large scale ideas encourage you to keep going and then go yeah well, yeah, never mind. Yeah. That's exactly what happened on um, Black Ops 4, where apparently they had this uh, weird, innovative 2v2 campaign idea mm-hmm. that they worked on two years for. And then nine months before launch, they showed it off to the Activision devs who weren't impressed and thought, you know what, actually scrap that and make it more conventional. But then they went, well, we can't make a conventional campaign in nine months, so what else can we do? Or we can, we can try to make a Battle Royale mode. That's what I find interesting. Yeah, they did the 2v2 campaign, and right at the end of 2017, just before Christmas, Activision were like, you know what, I'm really excited for this. This is going to be really good. First things first, they come in first thing January, and then they get called into a meeting, we're scrapping it. Yeah. Why? So it's like, yeah, do a campaign, can't do a campaign. Okay, let's do Battle Royale. And that I think that point particularly is interesting to think they weren't chasing the Battle Royale craze. No. That's, no. I find that actually really fascinating that mm. they weren't going to go, do you know what? That's popular. Let's do that. I, but obviously within that crunch period, that is literally the only thing they could have done because yeah. I mean, half of it's made out of old bits of maps, which, you know, works for the fan service, but it also works for the production time. But, you know, as we said in, the, in that podcast before, the amount of waves that Blackout made in terms of the whole game, it's why the zombies mode was changed so much because mm. Blackout came and just messed the whole formula up and it just, it, it just wanked the entire game. <laughs> That's why zombies had to change because of Blackout. Well, that was another interesting sort of part of the report in that obviously you have Treyarch as a whole, but then you have individual teams working on those three pillars, Black Ops, uh, Blackout, um, Zombies, and Multiplayer. But apparently there's no real cohesion between what those teams are actually doing, so then they have to respond to what changes the other teams made, and it just sounds like a, a total nightmare, and not the way you expect one of, if not the most popular um, video game franchises of the past decade to operate, who is still bringing in $500 million in three days of a single game sales, never mind the, uh, their overall lifespan sales. It's just like, how if this is happening at the top level, how does this sort of, like, I don't know, what hope is there for anyone sort of working below that? Yeah, I mean, going back to the uh, the fact that Treyarch are doing next year's Call of Duty now as well, when Kotaku released that thing saying, okay, Sledgehammer are back to support and Treyarch are back in the hot seat, the QA testers again, uh, they found out about that being the case really? from Kotaku before... Uh, 
Activision slash Treyarch actually contacted them and said, oh, by the way, yeah, we are working on a new so game. And mm-hmm. They're going it's, back to an old two-year development cycle as well. Like, yeah, it, it's I, I feel genuinely bad. Like, even though, you know, we, we, it sort of sounds like we've just been purely demonizing the higher-ups of Treyarch. Obviously, as you said, they're getting annoyed at Activision for monetizing their games. Um, interesting, though, uh, Sledgehammer said that, you know, what how they see uh, Treyarch's monetization methods in their games, they, would ne- they wouldn't be seen dead doing. Because honestly, I loved the, the system they had in place for World War II, the loot boxes and stuff. I thought it was fine. Yeah, like, it was genuinely. Play it on consoles. It was completely glitched when it came out. <laughs> oh, it, oh it, was, it was completely knackered on yeah. consoles. Yeah. Uh, the PC one was the only one that kept the headquarters going when it first launched because they just they just messed it up. But like in terms of the, the monetization, Sledgehammer said we wouldn't do this. The Treyarch are doing, and it's like oh. So it's Treyarch doing it then. It, it, you do think, hang on, because all the monetization methods are different per game. Yeah. So obviously Treyarch themselves are the one putting probably the worst monetization in Call of Duty there is, especially if you're not a multiplayer fan like I'm not. They've tried to incorporate zombies in more into getting more progression. You get one tier skip per X number of hours. If you get to round 20, it's like, that's five people that can play zombies. Yeah. And if you can't, you're not going to get very far. Oh, here's a gun from Black Ops 3. Genuinely, my favorite sniper from Black Ops 3 in zombies, they've added it into Black Ops 4, and I can't change it, can't add any different scopes, but add the iron sights onto it unless I get it from a loot box in multiplayer. Player, oh. I can only get by playing multiplayer or buying COD points. It's like, thanks, Treyarch. What is this hellscape we're living it's in now? Abs- it's, it's such a shambles. It's uh. like, well, it's, it's interesting that you say that. I feel like the messaging is so muddled as to who's actually making the decision. Because like we've been saying that a lot of the Treyarch staff were frustrated that Activision seemed to just cram in all this monetization loot box stuff. Um, post-launch which annoyed everyone and it kind of not only is that frustrating for the devs and us players who have to like pay for it and have to deal with these crappy systems like you not be able to do your favourite sniper there Rich but it also like it stifles creativity as well because there was I think there's a quote from someone in the actual report who says that you know they work so hard and so long on these games putting like 12 hour shifts in like 70 hours a week Mm -hmm. and yet they have no creative input on it they just have to do what they get told from the higher ups just a big cookie cutter yeah it's like no artistic vision like you said the guys on Sledgehammer said they wouldn't be caught dead sort of seeing these monetization aspects in their version of Call of Duty but if it came from the higher up mm-hmm. what are these supposed to do like they have to sort of do what Activision tell them otherwise you get binned like so many other studios have been binned in the past yeah it's a shame honestly because like I said just I, I realized where I was going with that point um, was the fact that they were obviously like demonizing the higher ups at Treyarch they are just as annoyed about this next big crunch you know two big crunches through they thought when they got to release date of Black Ops 4 the crunch would slow down but it didn't uh, and you can tell by just like how flimsy things were the first DLC packs for Black Ops 4 were an absolute shambles the second ones were better DLC 3 is coming DLC 3 is leaked like hell yeah, over the last two yeah. days it's, it's ridiculous um, but they are I mean you know Sledgehammer hemorrhage people after World War 2 which is a real shame because as I said World War 2 was a genuinely really good Call of Duty game and like genuinely it really was people didn't believe us because it's Call of Duty but it is genuinely that good good. Infinity Ward hemorrhaged after World War 2 hence why Respawn were founded hence why we got Titanfall and now Jedi Fallen Order and Treyarch are probably going to go the same way because of just how much pressure they're being put on they are because Depending on how well Modern Warfare goes, they are the poster boys of, yes. of Call of Duty now because Infinity Ward have, have knackered it for the past few mm. years. But uh, I feel so... I, as much as like they put across that they treat their QI like dirt, and they do, I still feel bad for everyone. Yeah, there's a frustrating thing here because we're not going to know for another year or two years, depending on how... Because these reports never usually come out during development. I mean, occasionally they do, but like we're not going to know until the next Call of Duty is out 
whether any kind of sizable changes have been made. Yeah. You know, we've kind of gotten in the cycle in the past year, especially where uh, Schreier or someone else in the industry comes out with one of these reports. You know, there's a big kind of just, there's a, it's a big talking point. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, developers still aren't allowed to unionize. You know, there are different aspects that just completely prohibit change within this industry. And I don't know how long, if, if it doesn't, if Call of Duty, you know, one of the biggest franchises on the planet, the, the premier first-person shooter, um, if you will, that's been going since 2007, people who, you know, you, me and Rich, we all grew up on this during like our teenage years, we're now adults. You know, how long is this going to take? Is this going to be a massively generational thing now? You know, how many reports like these is it going to take before these studios and, 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 and publishers wake up and go, well, you know, maybe we shouldn't give our, our CEO, you know, a, a five million quid bonus at the end of the year, you know, actually look after the people who are, you know, the backbone of the industry. Yeah, that's it. I mean, like like you said, I, I'd like to think that reports like this are genuinely having an impact and making those executives reshape their ways, even if it's only, even if it's only for their own image. The fact that it would make some trickle on effects and make some massive, massive, uh, massive changes is, you know, if that's all it, if that's what it takes, then fine. But I have no idea. Like you said, we're not going to find out for a few years yet. We're not going to find out until the next Treyarch Call of Duty has shipped, whether that development period was just as punishing as the last two were. Well, they, like I said, this is making a lot of noise, crunch culture, like how developers and publishers are, or publishers are treating developers and studios. And I'm hoping that this becomes... Um, this, this you know, People will happily go to publications, go to Kotaku, go to people and just go, right, this is what I want to tell you. We just want to we just get it all out on the table. We have it in film, in media, in politics, where people are just going, okay, here's everything that's happening. And, you know, let's hope this makes a difference. We're hopefully coming to that point with gaming now because of how people are being treated. Mm. Yeah, even the very fact that I suppose more people are willing to go either anonymously on record or just speak out about these practices that, you know, aren't new. These have been happening for years and years and years and years just under the surface is at least, you know, something positive. And at least, at the very least, gets us like players and gamers and fans to think about, like the title says, the human cost of their favorite games. Publications need to just happily speak out, and that seems to be the thing that's happening. And I'm I'm happy that that's the case because mm. to, like publishers can't put their fingers in their ears and sing la 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 to themselves for long enough until people really start to make a difference. Like I said, if teams keep hemorrhaging, Call of Duty will die. Yeah, and you know at the end of the day, since they lost Destiny, that's kind of all Activision has bar remasters, and we've kind of run out of the classics that they will really want to remaster, which... And they're just so unwilling to sort of, like, take time out. If this happens... Right, I, I mean, I have no business running a company, but if <laughs> I was running Call of Duty and the next team up just suddenly crumbled and their game wasn't coming next year and I looked at my other team and they just suffered two games worth of horrible, horrible crunch and are not creatively firing on all cylinders anymore, I, I, I go, we'll take a year out. Take I know it looks out. bad for, like, the bottom yeah. line, but, like, like, even the report mentions it, I, I, Assassin's Creed did that. It mm-hmm. took a year out to go back to a two-year cycle in that franchise is now better than ever like yep. what's it going to take for Activision to be like look we need to sort of rethink how we make these games we need to take a year or two off Battlefield did it as much as Saucy 5 yeah. didn't really do that well they just went you know what we'll do it every two years now we'll, we'll keep the content going right. I mean the thing is like it's just an example just to wrap things up Black Ops 3 almost had a two-year life cycle because of the DLC that was continuously coming out throughout the course of Infinite Warfare's mm-hmm. life cycle because no one was playing it <laughs> but like yeah they had that it's like just, just do that mm. if you've got if you're back to two main studios doing it for me, that makes the most sense for them to do. Yeah. But yeah, that has been the current state of Call of Duty. It has been 
Oh, it's it's what controversy everywhere. It is a sad <laughs> podcast. There's just everything's falling apart. As you said, like we all grew up playing these games. There is a special place in our hearts for these games, and that's why stuff like this is so important because people see these as just a cookie cutter, chop, 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 here it is. But there there are humans behind games. It sounds sounds stupid and it's obvious, but sometimes people don't actually take that into consideration but please do let us know what you think down in the comments if you're on the video if you are not and you're listening to us please do tweet us at wculturegaming use the hashtag wcgp tell us what you think about modern warfare's controversy and treyarch's controversy and call of duty's controversy and all of the controversies and the josh brown running Call of Duty controversy. <laughs> Make it happen. I you're about to do like Eminem just going na 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 It's already in the podcast now. Oh, it's there. It's there. But anyway, thank you very much for listening and or watching. We hope to see you again next week. It'll be another week of Scotless Podcasts. He's having another week over, over stateside. He's having a great time. Press F. Press F to pay respects for Scott. I hope you guys are enjoying all of these guest podcasts. We've got some cool stuff on the way for you but until we see you again I've been Rich thank you very much for listening I've been joined by Ewan bye and I've been joined by Josh goodbye find us on social media subscribe to the What Called Jamie podcast channel if you haven't already do it and we'll see you on Monday bye everyone bye, bye. <laughs>